Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. And what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. It's the Friday edition, which means we've got ads, drops, and holds, and watch list players, and buy list guys, and sell list guys, and the streaming board we're going to deal with on social media. We're not going to take care of that. We're also going to look at every single, uh, not every single game over the weekend. I guess we do kind of look at every single game over the weekend. So we're going to look Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, get you set, things that we're keeping an eye on. Uh, from every team, although remember a lot of it is streaming related, so we'll kind of speed through that stuff towards the end of the program. And uh, yeah, that's the big thing. Uh, I want to put a few quick notes out here at the front end of the podcast. Number one, recruiting continues at Sports Ethos. Uh, we're actually looking for folks who know how to do a little bit of computer programming. I don't. I don't understand it, even a little bit, so I'm not going to do something dumb, like try to explain what it is that's being looked for, because I don't fully understand what's being looked for. But if that's a thing that you know how to do, if you're interested in helping out here at Sports Ethos, you can bug me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I hope you guys will follow me over there regardless. This, of course, is a Sports Ethos presentation. That website is sportsethos.com, and the Twitter handle is at ethos fantasy bk a number of you reached out or i reached out to a number of you and a number of you then reached back out to me uh to get a few new ratings and reviews on the podcast i think those will be showing up here in the next 24 hours or so i know itunes has a uh like a surveying process before they pop up but if any of you have an opportunity to do that please do so it's through the podcast app on your mobile device or through itunes on your traditional computer but let's dive right on in. Everybody wants to know the ads of the week. That's the big one. And we actually got a few this week because as we hit now, we're in week seven, which means uh, the season is more than a quarter of the way done. We're six full weeks through. In prior years, we've talked about the six-week mark. And we talked about it actually on yesterday's show with Brewski, how the six-week mark really is kind of when you get the great leveling, as we called it last year. It's a silly name, but whatever. We're going to roll with it. This great leveling that I talk about is, other than little tweaks on percentages, typically, you have a pretty good idea of what a player's role is going to be with his team during this fantasy season. So, just to use an example, uh, Donovan Mitchell, he's number 11 right now, um, and yeah, 49% from the field, 89% at the free throw line, those things are probably going to come back down a little bit. But from just a straight role standpoint, and mind you, there were like two weeks there where uh, Darius Garland was out, so the numbers are a little bit puffed, but we have an idea. He is still probably going to be in the 19 to 20 shot range. I think he was a little higher than that when Garland was out. Um, but yeah, as those percentages settle in, you know he's not going to move a ton. Guys aren't going to move a ton right now. And so when we say things like sell high on like a De'Aaron Fox, who I talked about last week, He's at number 20. Yeah, we know his free throw percent most likely is going to come down from 82. His field goal percent is most likely going to come down from 53. And when those things happen, we can pre-build that into our projections. But the other stuff, I think we have a pretty good feel for what it's going to be. So what does that mean for a Week in Review podcast like this one? There are fewer buys and sells on the board 
because now we kind of know what players are. There's general agreement, I think, in what specifically guys like top 50 or better, what they are going to be the rest of the way with some very small but notable exceptions. Um, and, you know, a few of those guys that I don't know that we really want to get into, like a Paul George is an example. I, I don't think we really want to get into that all that much. Like, yeah, maybe his per game numbers do come up the board a little bit and maybe people disagree about how far, but do we even want to bother? Otherwise, uh, everything else is either injury-related or pretty well settled. So welcome to the great leveling, everyone. So to that end, now when something interesting pops up, it's not so much a buy or a sell, it's more of an add or a drop. So we're into that that ebb and flow of a season, where at the beginning of the year, you have a ton of ads and a ton of drops. And then two, three weeks, four weeks in, you have the buys and the sells as you realize guys are either over or underperforming and you know they're going to move a pretty good distance back. And now the buys and sells have gone away largely and you're into more ads and drops again. All of that to preface, we have seven names on the ads list this week. Some of them are already on rosters. Some of them are not. Just take it all with a grain of salt. This is I'm trying to sort of heap it all into one big bucket but ad number one tim hardaway jr who uh i said it after he had one good ball game that i needed to see him do it at least one or two more times and he did it in a, a loud way one additional time 26 points six three-pointers couple of steals a block and most importantly i know this game went to overtime so the numbers are a little bit puffed but most importantly 20 shots 20 shots after getting 16 in their win over Golden State. Now, the bad here is that Dallas lost to Detroit. So Jason Kidd is still going to be tinkering. They're going to be trying to figure out what went right and what went wrong, and there's always a chance that Tim Hardaway gets caught up in the what went wrong part of this discussion. And the other bad is, you know, dude shot 8 for 16 in their win over Golden State, which included five three-pointers in that game, and 9 for 20, including six three-pointers in their loss to Detroit in overtime. And yeah, I mean, historically, Tim Hardaway is much closer to 40 than he is to 50, and when you roll those two games together, he's closer to 50 than he is to 40 in those numbers. So the field goal percent is going to come back down if or when he cools off, is that an opportunity for someone like Reggie Bullock to slide back into the starting five? Does Tim Hardaway lose this job at some point? I think the answer to that question is, yeah, I mean, it's like 60-40. He probably loses the job at some point down the line. But he's played really, really well in his first two games. Uh, floor spacing is always useful. I mean, the, the Mavs shot 54% in their loss to Detroit. They just didn't guard anybody. So maybe that is what falls on Hardaway. Either way, he's been really good. He needs to be on rosters. I think we were all skeptical, and rightfully so, but I was able to scoop him last night as he was midway through having a really good ball game, and I got him in like 75% of the leagues I'm in for basically nothing. He cost me almost nothing. Next ad on the board. Uh, I put Isaiah Stewart on there. I, I think he's, he's relatively well-rostered, and I don't think that many teams dropped him when he got hurt and got knocked out for a couple of weeks. Uh, but I know at least a few did. And so if there is at least a few, 
then we're going to throw it out there. I think before he came back from injury two games back, he was like in a 65% rostership number on Yahoo, which, like, yeah, he's not available in any of my leagues. I play in pretty competitive ones. I'm guessing many of you guys do as well. But if he's floating around out there, the difference between Isaiah Stewart this year and last year is largely the fact that Cade isn't in there. He's still only averaging eight and a half shots a game this season. But a chunk of those games came to the beginning of the year. And since he came back from injury, when there's all this bonus usage floating around and Sadiq Bey is not in the starting lineup taking Reed chucking shots, he's taking 25 shots in his two games. And that's a big, big deal because you got to get a little bit of usage in the mix if you want to have fantasy value. We've talked about that a thousand times. Usage is value. Make sure he's not floating around on your waiver wire. Markel Fultz is, I think, a name that you guys all knew was going to pop up in the ads list for this week. Um, I had actually stashed him in a handful of Yahoo. They don't call them pro leagues anymore. They call them Yahoo public prize leagues, which rolls right off the tongue. It's a more accurate name for them, to be sure. Um, but he looked great. Fultz played 15, 16 minutes in that first ball game. What was the final number? Did they actually get him 16 and change? Yeah, it was like 16 and change. Uh, three of eight from the field, made his two free throws, had a steal, had four assists. They're going to go easy on him. So, you know, again, the preface on the Markel Fultz thing is they're going to go easy on him. Uh, it's going to probably be a 16-minute limit, I would assume, for another game or two. And then they'll push him to 18 or 20 for a week, probably. And then maybe up to 22 or 24 for a week. So we're talking about probably a three-week ramp up before you get before you're even, like, nuzzling up against starter range minutes for faults, But we saw it at the end of last year, and that, to me, was the best indicator of why he needed to be rostered this year. He really didn't get to play many minutes last season, mind you. I think his last three games, his minutes cap got raised to 24 minutes. Actually, the last one, it got raised up to 28 or 29 in those three games at the end of last year, now I understand that Orlando, like, guys were sitting, there weren't every, everybody wasn't there. Markel, 16.6 assists, two steals in a 23-minute and 52-second performance. 12 points, five boards, six assists. That one wasn't great. He had four turnovers, no steals, but six of 11 from the field. And in the final game of the regular season last year in uh, against the Heat, 10 points, 15 assists, a steal, uh, and no three-pointers. That's another key for Fultz. He's the point guard that doesn't get you three. So the steals have to be there, which they typically are. And we saw it. He's kind of turned this corner where he now can make stuff happen in his 20-some-odd minutes per ballgame. It doesn't need to be 30. 24, 25, 26, that's more than enough because of the assists, because of the steals, because he can actually potentially be a decent field goal percent guy. He was at 47% last year. While, again, like kind of finding his legs. Not a dude who's played that many basketball games in his pro career. I would look back at his first trip with Orlando. That was 2019-2020, the bubble year. 12 points, 5 assists, 1.3 steals. But the free throws were at 73 and that was the big jump because the following year, 
He was at 90% from the line. Last year, he was at 81% of the line. Now, again, that those two years, eight and 18 games, respectively, so it wasn't like it was a big sample size. But this is a guy that could not, to save his life, make a free throw. And if he's really in the 80s at the foul line and a non-negative field goal percent guy, the only hole, then, is really three-pointers. And I'll be honest with you guys, I don't really care about that being a hole. I'm kind of okay with it. Let's keep chugging along. Uh, Derek White is on the ads board. I think he's moved. I put him on the ads board because I think he's actually moved up from streamer. It seems like he's uh, solidified a role, and he's long had a really good fantasy stat set, you know, dating back to his San Antonio days. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to add on that one. He's just been good. And then every time someone misses a game, he gets another, like I call it an artificial bump, but guys are missing games for that team, and they're winning a ton, so they don't need to push dudes too hard so you know Derek White add rest of season Mitchell Robinson add uh is another guy kind of like Stewart that might have gotten dropped in a few spots when he was banged up for a couple of weeks so again I think he's probably rostered in your league uh but he fell into the low 60s in his roster ship during his injury so it's not a guarantee that he's on a team so again like was I with Isaiah Stewart just check around see if he's floating around on your wire make something happen there uh, Austin Reeves. That's a fun one. Austin Reeves. Yeah, he's not going to shoot 60% or whatever it is for this, this little haul he's on. He's, he's just been, uh, lava hot lately and he doesn't get that many assists with LeBron back around. Um, but he's one of the best free throw shooters in the NBA, which is rad. Um, he's hitting three balls now at, at a really good clip too. Not, not so much that he's like knocking down a ton of them. But, you know, one to two per ball game on a high field goal percent is useful. The problem, of course, is that a game could and probably will come along, uh, much like their, their one of their wins over San Antonio, where he only gets like six or seven shots. So if he doesn't make them, if he doesn't have his, you know, 60% shooting clip on that particular night, you're looking at a game where he might have four points, three rebounds, two assists, uh, and a steal. And the good percentages don't help you very much if he isn't taking many shots. But this dude, and I know a lot of it had to do with LeBron being out when he was able to step up how much he was kind of allowed to do. But his confidence is exploding right now. He is, like, one of the most fun players to watch lately because he's got this really weird bag of tricks he's using. Stop on a dime moves, you know, fake one way, back the other, near the rim. And he's getting fouled a lot because of it. And that's good when you're a great foul shooter. He didn't miss a free throw. Between November 13th and November 30th, while taking like almost five a game over that stretch, he might not list. He might not last on the ads board. I'm I'm fully aware of that. This is probably not someone who just locks in rest of season, especially if the Lakers make a move. But right now, uh, he again, I said this before, he might be the third best player on that team. Which yikes! But and then I wanted to bump Kyle Anderson. I wanted to bump Slow Mo out of the streamers and into the ads department really only because it's such a long stream that it almost doesn't seem fair to call him a streamer for six weeks. If you're getting a month and a half out of somebody, they're just an ad at that point. And then you drop them when they're not anymore. Um, I actually kind of disagreed with Brewski on yesterday's show. He said that slow-mo was like maybe a 150 range dude. He's 150 in 22 minutes, like playing off the bench behind a bunch of dudes. Uh, I think he can go higher than that in starters minutes. And 
Slow-mo played 39 minutes in their win over Memphis. I don't, you know, that's probably not going to happen every ball game. But if you get him out there for mid-30s and minutes, which actually is conceivable now, and he's a guy that's going to get you 10 points and 5 to 7 rebounds and, you know, 3 to 6 assists and almost definitely over a steal and close to a block. I don't know about the three-pointer. I wouldn't put too much on that. But he's not a terrible foul shooter. He's a good field goal percent guy. Now you're looking at someone who's missing maybe points and threes. Everything else, he could be a positive. Field goal, free throw, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. You could get a positive, and turnovers. You could get a positive guy in everything except for two categories. Now, those two categories are probably going to be decent-sized negatives, I would guess. But, I mean, even small positives in seven out of nine and you're not a punt dude in the other stuff, to me, that's a guy that could be like 75. You've talked about before, like someone who's flat average in almost every category is like a 60 range fantasy player. You know who's not that far off from this fantasy profile is Kelly Olenek, who's at 13, 5, and 3 with 2.1 defensive stats, good field goal percent, decent free throw. Turnovers would be a little bit higher there. So like take that, Ratchet the three-pointers and points down. Bring the rebounds, the assists, and the turnovers better. And the field goal percent probably a little worse. And there you go. And Kelly Olenek is number 60 right now. That's not to say that slow-mo is going to be number 60, but there really isn't... I don't know if there's anybody else out there who is built that same way. Draymond Green would be another one who sort of lands in that kind of department. Draymond's at 9, 6, and 7. I think Slomo would score more, pass less, hit more free throws, turnovers lower. I don't know. To me, Kyle Anderson has a path to like 80 range for six weeks. I might be off by a little bit. We all are, but I don't know, man. That one actually feels like uh, it's got some legs underneath it. I uh, want to remind you guys, by the way, that our buddies, and I did this on yesterday's show also, but I did it on the, the video cast. This one is, again, uh, there are actually folks watching this one, to those of you listening to the live one. I just thought I would do, like, a live taping of the pod. I don't know if anybody enjoys it. Uh, but check out manscaped.com. Promo code is ethos20 over there. You get 20% off and free shipping on whatever you desire from their website, including but not limited to... The shears, the luxury nail kit that I'm holding up on the video version of this podcast. This thing is sweet. I haven't organized it all that well as I flip it up to everybody. You can see the, the different devices in there. There's the file, the, the clippers. You got the little scissors. That's sweet. It's 20 bucks before you use our coupon, which takes 20% off and free shipping. You can also get the Lawnmower 3.0. Forget the 4.0. Screw the 4.0. I like the 3. The 3 is the true definition of pinch-free, which, by the way, I probably could use. Although, the neck doesn't actually look that bad right now. Neck's okay. Not that not that disgusting these days. And I got a haircut recently. Um, doesn't help, but <laughs> still, still ugly. Um, Manscaped.com. Ethos20. Ethos20, the promo code. Get 20% off free shipping on your order there uh, post-haste. Only two names in the drops department this week, so maybe I lied to you guys a little bit when I said there were a lot of ads and drops. There are actually only a lot of ads. <laughs> uh, but whatever, you guys probably like that more. Um, 
Jalen Suggs is a drop, and I only put him there because I know a lot of you guys didn't listen to me and rolled with him anyway. Uh, but Suggs was never really a nine cat guy unless you caught him on like that two game stretch where he put up good numbers on decent percentages. Otherwise, he's been a, uh, I don't want to say unmitigated disaster, but with slight mitigation. He's a nine cat disaster. His turnovers were three and a half. Medium volume, 42% from the field. Medium volume, 66% at the foul line. Didn't really hit any three-pointers. He's like what you... He's like if Markel Fultz had the rug pulled out from underneath him. We're talking about how, how Fultz has this path to value. And Suggs had some scoring and some assists and some steals. He had those three. Uh, but where we expect Fultz to also be good, field goal percent and hopefully free throw percent, is where Suggs was just yanking the bottom out from the bucket. So he was never really an ad, but he's definitely a drop now. Uh, and Chris Boucher, because I got to put a name on there of someone that I have touted. Boucher is hurt. He's questionable. Um, and he really hasn't been engaged in his last two games. And his minutes are lower. But typically, 22, 26 minutes for him is enough to be, like, kind of okay. Uh, but he just isn't doing anything. I can't fully explain it. It's like that weird disengaged Boucher. If they don't let him take a shot or let him go do a thing quickly, then he just, like, the switch flips off, and then he's just sort of done. So I'm a little worried that that sticks around. You could, if you wanted to, throw him in the tough holds category, which is the next one we're going to talk about here in about 20 seconds. So, fine. Move him into tough holds if you want, if you can, if you can stash him. Uh, especially but, but with like injury stuff floating in and out, um, I don't know that it's a must-hold scenario. In the way that, to me, some of these other guys on the holds board are must-hold. Number one, and I don't know that many people that are dropping him, but Gary Trent, I know he, he had a real rough shooting start to the year. His free throw number is still super weird and low. The other stuff is actually not that far off where, from where we'd want it. Um, Three-pointers are down season over season because just shot attempts are down right now, and minutes are a little bit lower for him. But this is a mid-80s last year, mid-80s, previous year, low-80s free throw percent guy who's, like, doing damage to your free throws right now. He's three for four, basically, from the field or from the line every game. And if that becomes three and a half out of four, then he takes a flying leap forward. And we saw him look really good as the bench gunner on that team. I don't know why I'm convincing you guys. You guys don't need convincing. Just hold on to Gary Trent. It's a pretty easy call. Harrison Barnes, to me, is a slightly tougher call, but I am going to throw him in the tough holds department. My continued issue with Barnes, who's, uh, I think, sitting just outside the top 100. Yeah, he's like around 115 on both Yahoo and Basketball Monster. My issue with Barnes is that he's only taking eight and a half shots per game. He's never been able to sustain fantasy value with a usage rate that low. His free throw percent is a career high right now. His field goal percent is the third best in his career. But that comes with a toll. And some of that toll is that he is both not taking as many three-pointers and he's hitting them at an even lower clip. So that number really went down. Right now, Barnes is floating his value because his steals are a little higher than his career mark. He's at about one per game, and he's a guy that's typically been more like 0.7, 0.8. 
His free throws are very high, a big positive to his value right now. So if those peel off in any meaningful way, then he hits the skids. But I'm calling him a hold because I've seen an efficiency thing from him that I like on a team that plays at such a breakneck speed that it feels like even if he's not out there getting as many shots as before, there still might, you might be able to just squeeze enough out of that citrus to make it work. And the last game was actually a prime example of that. He only played 26 minutes because it was a blowout, and he only got nine shots, but he went nine for 10 at the free throw line. And he made six of his nine shots because a lot of them were coming closer to the rim. So maybe you take a little field goal percent bump. I don't know if he ever gets inside the top 90. So he's always going to be someone that just sort of piddles along right outside the cut line, but good enough and durable enough that in a head-to-head format, he actually probably makes more sense than Roto here. Uh, So that is, for me, that's why he's a hold, because he's just so safe. And if you take even one medium usage guy out of the mix on that team, then he probably does then get enough, like give him one, one and a half even extra shots, and he's more of a top 90 kind of guy. That's how close it is uh, for a guy like Barnes. Jared Vanderbilt is on my holds list, and this one's kind of a tough one, although he's right next to Barnes. He's number 116. Barnes is 115. Problem, of course, with Vanderbilt is that at the beginning of the year, it looked like he was getting 24 minutes due to foul trouble. Now he's getting 24 minutes because that's just what they've decided he gets. So the eight and a half rebounds that we looked at and we were like, sweet, if he ever doesn't get into foul trouble, those will be 11 rebounds. Uh Uh-uh, still eight and a half. But I like the steals. I like the passing from him. I like the field goal percent. His free throw sucks, but he ain't taken out all that many, so it's not that big of a deal. Uh, He's really more of a specialist appeal kind of guy. If someone like Lowry Markinen ever has to miss a little bit of time, it probably helps him. So far, Utah, outside of Conley, has been pretty damn healthy. And so that actually is kind of, again, I don't want to use the word artificially the wrong way, but it is kind of depressing Vanderbilt's value because teams tend to have guys that miss games in the modern NBA. And for Utah, the only player missing games is their point guard. The one where if you take him out of the equation, it has almost no bearing on Vanderbilt whatsoever. So I got to hold on to, to Vandy mostly because rebounds and are and steals that and field goal percent, that combo was pretty hard to come across this season, but I think you can hang on there. I think there's enough to make that thing work. And Alexei Pokushevsky, this one might be the hardest of them all to convince you guys of, because right now his value is heavily tied up in the fact that he's blocking almost two shots per ball game, but his minutes as per the, uh, is the way of the things in Oklahoma City, are spinning round and round on the roulette wheel. Where it stops, nobody knows. Um, but he's starting, so you, you kind of have to let it go a little bit longer. Because as soon as you drop him, he's going to have that 32-minute game where he just goes bananas. There, I think... And this is, I mean, this is a big problem with Oklahoma City just handicapping in general and whether you can use any of their players. The reason that Pokashevsky is above guys like Jalen Williams or Jeremiah Robinson Earl or, frankly, even Lou Dort, who's actually playing consistent minute, uh, is that his fantasy game translates better. Lou Dort's playing 31 minutes a game. He's about a round back of Pokashevsky right now, 15 slots behind him. 
because Dort's game is just not that fantasy-friendly. It's points and steals, and it didn't even used to be steals, but he's kind of bad in almost everything else. Sometimes he's okay in threes. Pokashevsky, when he's on, he can get threes, boards, steals, blocks, field goal percent he can be a positive in. There's just a lot there, and blocks in particular are so hard to find that that's why we give that little extra wiggle room, a little extra leash for a guy like Poku, because when you know when he has that big game, and maybe you treat it like a Danny Green type of deal. Now with Green, he was going to play 28 minutes every night. You just knew that some nights he was going to hit seven three-pointers, and some nights he was going to go 0 for 7. With Pokashevsky, it's not so much that his shooting fluctuates so wildly, it's that his playing time does. But you can kind of, in your mind, mentally, treat it the same way, maybe, it's not an easy hurdle to get over, I know, but that's why he's on the holds list. Uh, moving along to the watch list right now. This one's uh, checks watch going a little bit longer than I expected, but whatever. It's a Friday show. We got a lot to go over here. Uh, we'll try to move a little quicker through the watch list, the buys, the sells, and the weekend preview. I think the those first three categories probably deserve the most attention. Watch list. Cole Anthony's on your watch list. I think that one is fairly self-evident. Isaiah Hartenstein is on your watch list because I did. I have to try to be consistent here. I said I thought you could probably drop him last week, so now he's on the watch list. You don't need to be dropped a second time. You don't need to do it over and over again. But I think he's someone that, like, if you see good signs for even, like, part of a week, then you do it. I just realized that, like, one of the strings of my hoodie was all off kilter, so you guys watching the video cast, like, what's wrong with you, Dan? Um... Quentin Grimes is also on the watch list from the Knicks. That's worth throwing in there. He's been very inconsistent with the fantasy stuff he's been able to do in their starting lineup. Um, you know, had a game where he was 10-5-8, which was great with a block. And then he had three games in a row where he was ultra-quiet, and then he went 16-6-2 and two steals with three three-pointers, and then he came right back with a game of seven points and five rebounds. And even though the minutes are actually kind of decent for him, the production has not been super relevant he's like bordering on the top 100 largely because he's playing 30 minutes a game right now but like i need to see something i need to see consistent steals or consistent passing or anything at all and there's just like a little bit of a few things we talked about being average in every category He's just slightly sub-average in almost every category, despite 30 minutes per game. I need, like, 0.3 more steals, or, like, half an assist, or one rebound, or, okay, he's pretty far off in points, but, like, half a three-pointer. He's so close to being average in a lot of these things, but where flat average is top 60, if you're sub-average in, in basically every category, that drops you actually pretty far down the board, because that's a lot of categories to lose a little bit. You know, you ratchet it down nine clicks across the board. Anyway, you get it. Uh, Joe Harris and Seth Curry are on my watch list so far. Harris has actually been the guy who played better with Ben Simmons out. It remains to be seen if that sticks. You know, he got 36 minutes in the win over Orlando. He got 37 in their win over Washington. Six three-pointers. He, like Seth Curry, does it on pretty good percentages. But both of those guys need rampant usage to have value because they don't rebound, they don't pass, they don't steal, they don't block. It's all percentages and three-pointers. That's hard to have fantasy value if you're only taking, you know, six or seven shots a game, which Joe's at seven and a half, so, you know, maybe you get him to eight. <laughs> Not enough for me to make a move on them right now. Watch list. 
Same story for a bunch of Oklahoma City players. We already talked about Poku as a hold, but I mentioned Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Jalen Williams as watch list guys. And it's the same kind of thing. Robinson Earl has actually been very, very close to fantasy value for the better part of two weeks, but he's just right behind it. He's just right behind it. He's just like slightly outside where you'd want to have him. Over the last two weeks, he's actually number 96, but like one three-pointer, nine points, six and a half. Okay, the rebounds are decent. 0.9 steals, 0.9 blocks. Those are both okay if someone would sit me down and say, Dan, I can promise you that Jeremiah Robinson Earl will consistently get 26 minutes or more every game, I'd say pick him up and start him as the last guy in your starting 10. But they can't promise me that because as soon as someone says it, he's going to have a 20-minute game or a 22-minute game or a 13-minute game. But darn it, he is... Uh, Frankly, even more than Pokashevsky right now, the closest non-starter type guy. When I say non-starter, I don't mean a guy who's not in the starting lineup. I mean, you know, Shea, Giddy, Dort. Those are the guys who have guaranteed minutes on that Oklahoma City team. No one else really does, but Robinson Earl is kind of the closest. And I guess if I'm telling you guys you should be looking at uh, Jared Vanderbilt, I should probably also be saying you should look at Robinson Earl, who has a lower field goal percent because he takes some three-pointers, but also gets steals and rebounds at a slightly lower clip, also chips in with a block from time to time because he's playing center instead of power forward the way that someone like a Vanderbilt is. If you wanted to add him, I, you know, he, Robinson Earl is basically at, like, head-to-head streamer territory where when the schedule is really good, that's a guy you should use. Um, but the schedule hasn't been that great. They had a good one last week, but this week their schedule's kind of stunk. I think they played like two or three days ago, and now they finally have a game again tomorrow. That's not enough. Is a two-game, three-game week for them? That's three-game week for him is not enough. Four games would be, especially if they got like four games in six days. It's very much worthwhile for him. Roto Games cap? Eh. Eh. Continued watch list fun. Um, Jalen Noel out in Minnesota. Um, I'd like to know how many shots he's going to get because it seemed like a lot of the cat usage actually went to Noel in that last game. But how much of that was tied up to Jaden McDaniels also being out? That's a data point we need. And Malik Monk, who's back on one of his heaters again. He has these two to three game runs where he goes completely bananas. And then as soon as you pick him up and start him, poof, Terrence Davis. <laughs> Uh, so Malik Monk is a tough one. I, I get it. Like Malik Monk is one of those guys where if you're looking at stats and you pull up a seven day moving average, it goes like up, down, up, down, up, down, based on whatever the last, that window of games is. Like if you catch a seven day window where you got those, the two, his back to back heaters in it, he's going to be top 60. And then if you take the seven day window when those two ga- that those two heater like in between them, then he's like 140. Um, it's averaged out to a relatively decent mark. Uh, you know, he had 50 points in his last two ball games, and he had a 27 point game against Atlanta. Uh, when he's cold, he's real cold though. I think, you know, just like Robinson Earl, these guys are really close to ads. Monk is super close to an ad. Robinson Earl is super close to an ad. 
And Marvin Bagley is the last name on the list. For me, he's very close to an ad. I have beef with Bagley. I know he's actually been kind of decent so far this year because the field goal percent is at 58 and the free throw percent is at 82. I, I don't believe what I what the numbers are saying, right? I mean, this is a guy who's a 67% career free throw shooter. And I know last year, pre-trade in Sacramento, he was at 75%, but post-trade, he was at 59 is he really an 82% foul shooter now? It feels like a magic of the small sample size universe. And this is also a dude, he's a 51% field goal guy. So he's 6-7% higher on one, and he's 15% higher on the other. He's never been a steals guy, but he's at one steal per game right now. He's never been a blocks guy, and he hasn't really done that this year either. The other stuff feels sustainable. You know, 13-14 points, 7 rebounds half a three-pointer, somewhere between a half and one three-pointer. But uh, the steals are really high. The field goal percentage is really high. The free throws are really high. That's all coming down. I mean, he, what has he played? How many games has Bagley played in so far this year? I've kind of I've kind of lost track because he came back recently. He's only played in 11 games. He's only like halfway to the great leveling. And so I know that he's in the 80 range right now, but there's a lot of stuff going really well for him that... Uh, won't long-term at the very least. Show's running long, isn't it? Should I apologize or should I say you're welcome? Two buys, quick ones. Keldon Johnson, Terry Rozier. These guys that have just been uh, so awful at shooting the basketball and it simply can't last all year. Terry Rozier is at 38%. He is the worst by volume shooter in the NBA so far this year. And I think Keldon Johnson is number two in that department. If I'm checking real fast, Trey Young is pretty close. Freddie Van Vliet is also very close. Uh, those guys have obviously done some other stuff in an extraordinarily high clip to get them much higher on the rank board. Um, and Van Vliet, we always knew, is kind of a punt field goal guy. And Rozier has been bordering on that for a bit, but he's so far underneath it. And when you're taking 20 shots... Every 1% that that moves up the board, he's going to jump like 20 slots. The sells list, two of these are relatively straightforward. Anthony Simons, Jeremy Grant in Portland. I'm calling that one pocket. Dame is coming back soon. We saw what those guys got when Dame was in, and it was a lot less. I mean, most of the shots that Dame is not taking right now while hurt went to Simons and to Jeremy Grant. Simons taking 19 shots a game. Um, how many shots is Grant at right now? I guess we should probably look that up. If we're going to talk about it on the podcast, Jeremy Grant is at 15 and a half shots per game. Those numbers are coming down. They just are. And for Simons, he's going to take the bigger hit there because his value is much more tied up in, you know, he's at four three-pointers a game and four free throws per game, a super high volume there, and the guy's nice percentages. For Grant, he can probably hold it a little bit better because he's at about two defensive stats. And the field goal percent might even improve a tiny bit with Dame back. But they're both taking a big hit. So sell what you can. You know, Simons is at number 35 right now. I think if you can get anything inside the top 60, you do it. Jeremy Grant is at 48. If you can get anything inside the top 75, you probably do that as well. Because Dame is around the corner. I put DeAnthony Melton and Shake Milton on this list, but I don't think you're getting anything for them. So just ignore that one. And then JJJ was the interesting name I wanted to throw on this list. Because he's come back like a bat out of hell. Six games, he's averaging three blocks per game and 18.5 points per game as well. 
And so when you're handicapping this, and someone already, I put this out on Twitter before I did the podcast. Someone was always like, was already like, why JJJ? I'm like, great, listen to the show. I'll explain it. Uh, first of all, his field goal percent is way higher than it was last year. And also, yes, he's a tremendous shot blocker, but he's at about 2.3 in higher minutes last season. And the difference between three blocks per game and 2.3 is actually quite large at the top of the, the leaderboard because a lot of his value is tied up in that one category. And that's not a bad thing. He's a very good shot blocker. But take three blocks per game, which leads the league right now in his very small sample size, and bring that down by half a block, 0.7 blocks, whatever it probably turns out being this year, he likely falls a half a round. And then if you take the field goal percent, bring that back down a little bit, the rebounds are probably going to come down a little bit, scoring, tough to know, he might be able to hold that steady, he probably comes off by a solid round, round and a half of value as the season moves on, which isn't to say that he isn't going to have a, a fantastic year. I had to yell at you guys about this last Friday. Sell doesn't mean I don't like somebody. It just means where can you lock in value above the basement level? JJJ is not going any lower than number 40 this year. But chance he goes a little bit higher. What's the best? What's the highest player you could target coming back? I think you could target top 30 for JJJ right now, which, you know, there's some really big names in the 30 range and higher. Maybe you could have gotten LeBron before he had a couple of big ball games in there. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a durability element with that. Uh, if Cat hadn't gotten hurt, maybe you throw that. DeJounte Murray at 22 is a really interesting one. Porzingis, who's always banged up, but he's right behind JJJ, and he's already leveled off. So maybe you can lock in some of that value above the floor and look for another floor guy, I'm going to use the word again, whose floor is higher than JJJ's. I love Jaron Jackson. He was on our board last year. Remember, he was a guy we targeted. So when I say sell, I don't mean get rid of him. That's not what sell is. I would never, ever use sell in that way. And it's why I had the rant on the show last week. Sell does never mean, it never means just cast a guy off into the ocean. Because that means you're not getting value for them. When I tell you to sell, it's when a guy is performing well and you can lock in value. Okay? Very important. Let's take a quick look at the weekend coming up here. This is a very fast segment of the show. Uh, as soon as I pull up the board <laughs> if that actually would work a little bit all right tonight Washington is at Charlotte we're of course watching the injury report with the Hornets it sounds like Rozier is likely back so I'm basically not dabbling in their streamers for tonight Wizards nothing Toronto I'd like to know if Thad's still starting I think I'll hang on to him as long as he's in the starting five I know that last game wasn't good for him uh, and Boucher what is his usage more than anything else coming off the bench uh, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, we already talked about them with Brooklyn. Miami, it sounds like Jimmy Butler is back, so I'm probably going to shelve my streamers with the Heat as we wait and see what they look like here as everybody kind of gets back together again. Boston, nothing. Lakers, uh, Schroeder might be out, which would probably be good news for Austin Reeves. I know he's not the direct winner of, like, extra minutes or starting lineup or whatever, uh, but any anytime one player is out, it's going to help 
those players that are left. Hey, biggest news of tonight, Chris Middleton is making his return for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, it, was, it was a shoulder, arm, wrist, I forget. It was an upper body injury for Middleton. Uh, so I don't know that the minutes cap is going to be that strict, but this is basically his preseason. So assume lots of rust, lots of rust, conditioning slightly less of a problem than if his injury was lower body. Uh, but they're not going to just turn him loose for 35 minutes. So I would expect something maybe in the 20 to 24 minute range. We'll see what they, I'm sure they'll tell us before the ball game, or maybe they won't. Um, so don't expect too much today. Roto games cap. I know there's a ton of excitement with him coming back. I might consider a benching just until the rust shakes off, but I know we've been waiting so damn long. It's hard. It's hard not to play him at this point. Michael Porter Jr. is still out for the Nuggets, so Bruce Brown should get his continued run. I think we'll see Bones back for this ballgame. Atlanta, there's actually a lot to watch because John Collins is hurt. Uh, DeAndre Hunter might be hurt. Clint Capella might be hurt. So there's a potential for an Okongwu stream. There's a potential for an A.J. Griffin stream. We need the injury report at this point. Orlando, Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony. Those are the guys you're watching just to kind of see how things settle in. Cleveland. Oh, boy, they're banged up, but no real ads. Philly, not a whole lot. They look terrible in their last one. Harden's getting close, but not back yet. So uh, keep working on... And actually, Maxi, I think, is a, still a, a few games away. So keep working on Milton and Melton and Moulton and Milton and Morton. We'll, we'll, we'll create an entire team. Uh, Memphis, mm, nothing really. Pelicans, you know, we already know Trey Murphy... He's your stream. I got a bunch of Dyson Daniels questions, and he would have been a, a, a smart stream in that last ball game. He played well. Uh, but CJ McCollum is back, and I think that's probably going to take uh, whatever that sting was away. Spurs, Zach Collins is the stream there. Uh, you know, we're just watching to see if Keldon Johnson can ever throw a basketball through a hoop again. Dude has just been crazy off. Indy, not much. If something emerges on the on the front court, you know, we'll deal with it. Utah, I think we got a pretty good feel for what they are without Mike Conley. Houston, nothing. Phoenix, no Torrey Craig. Honest to God, I don't know where the hell they're going to go with their power forward minutes. You can just watch this one. Chris Paul, I believe, still out. Lots of weird news about Chris Paul. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, campaign has kind of fallen off now. I don't think he's a must-start guy, even in this fill-in role. Chicago, nothing. Golden State, nothing. That's your Friday night card. Let's look at Saturday. Dallas, we'll keep watching. Tim Hardaway Jr., Knicks, we already talked about them a bunch. Grimes, watch list. Hartenstein, watch list. Blah, blah, blah. Sacramento, Malik Monk is in there. Clippers, interesting news there. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard upgraded to questionable for this game on Saturday. And we've already got a note that if Kawhi plays, he will continue to have a minutes restriction. It's a weird thing to put out there when it feels so damn obvious because he had a massive minutes restriction before he turned his ankle. So I, I don't know why that would change coming back from a different injury, but frankly, it's kind of good news from the like, oh, I guess he's close enough to play. Like, we better tell everybody what his role might be. Whatever. I mean, that's been a tough one so far. Milwaukee on the back-to-back. -back, uh, a lot of folks assuming Middleton sits the back-to-back. -back. I don't know that he will. He might, just because, again, you're, there's a conditioning element here. But as the season progresses, he's not coming off a big leg thing. So maybe he sits this one, but I don't think that's a long-term plan. 
Charlotte, we talked about. Orlando, we talked about. Toronto, Oklahoma City. We already mentioned the guys were watching during the early part of this thing. Minnesota, same kind of deal. We talked about that during the the watch list portion of the proceedings. Um, Portland plays on Saturday. I think Dame was trying to get back on Sunday when they're back home against Indiana. So we'll keep track of that for the Sunday card. And I think I think that's everybody. Detroit, I guess there's... I mean, you know, the Killian Hayes stream has been much better of late. I think it's the only team that we didn't really mention, but not a whole lot to, to roll up into the, the blanket on that one. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your Friday weekend edition show. Thanks to the handful of you that came to watch the live taping. I don't know if this was any fun for you guys, but I'll try to do it more often. Uh, to everybody listening on the traditional podcast network, as I pretty much just did this show in the traditional podcast manner. Thanks again for listening all week long. I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. You must follow me because now I've got an Iron Man streak going over on social media. We've had quick hits for every single card all season long, even the one gamer yesterday. So uh, again, hit me up if you are uh, into programming. Um, that's again at Dan Vespers on Twitter or roster at sportsethos.com. And I also don't want to overshadow the fact that we are still recruiting uh, for full season NBA, full season baseball, full season football, and DFS for all that stuff as well. So if you're into any of those things, bug me. If you think you can be an analyst, bug me. I'm happy to. Any other questions, take them over to the forums at sportsethos.com. And I would ultimately here at the end of the show ask you all once again, throw a five-star review on the pod. Uh, means the world to me. Help us continue to grow this bad boy and uh, get a premium subscription for goodness sake. Please help power the locomotive. We don't want the train stopping on the tracks. Nah. Okay, my voice is tired. We're calling it a weekend. Reverse chronological lightning round Monday coming up on the other side of the break. Whoo! Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>